Good morning to you all. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, let's start by praying. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to listen to your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate the word to our hearts this morning. We ask that you would cause us to understand your message to us this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that as I preach, you would anoint my lips, that I would preach according to what's really on the heart of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Welcome to Go Church. And um, the title of my message this morning is Praise, Your Weapon for Victory. Praise, Your Weapon for Victory. And I'm going to start by reading a passage of scripture that is familiar to all of us. It's from Isaiah 61 from verse um, 1 to 3. And it reads, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. So Isaiah was literally speaking concerning Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and the opening of prison doors for those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And it's interesting that towards the end of, of, of this passage, a small uh, passage of scripture, Isaiah says of the Lord that uh, the Lord has, has come, that the Lord will come. And part of what he will do is that he will give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that he, the Lord, may be glorified. If you look at that verse 3 in the NLT version, it reads, festive praise instead of despair. Festive praise instead of despair in their righteousness. They'll be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. I also like what that verse says in, uh, in the RSV version. It says the mantle, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. The mantle of praise instead of a, a faint spirit. And we know that a mantle is something that you wear. And here it says the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. In the Amplified Version, it says the garment expressive of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. And uh, finally, in the Message Version, it says a praising heart instead of a, 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 a desperate spirit. A praising heart instead of a... a a desperate spirit. And so here it's interesting that the Bible refers to praise as a garment. It refers to praise as a garment. And what's important for us to understand is that it's not only talking about, you know, the, the kind of garment that you just put on, you know, over your shoulders and just throw over your shoulders. And, but it's talking about the kind of garment that you actually use to wrap around yourself or to cover yourself. In other words, when you wrap around you, you, yourself with that, that garment or when you cover yourself with that garment, it means that there's no openings anywhere. There's no uh, openings anywhere around, around your body. And what is also important for us to know is that this garment of praise is to leave no openings through which hostile elements can penetrate. So the garment of praise, the whole idea when we talk about the garment, this garment, is that the garment of praise repels 
and it replaces a heavy spirit. So it repels and it also replaces a heavy spirit. So what do we mean when we talk about a heavy spirit? What is a heavy spirit? Well, a heavy spirit is, and I'm sure, you know, some of you have felt this from time to time, but a heavy spirit is basically uh, a couple of things. So it could be that feeling that weighs you down. So it's that feeling that weighs you down and it feels like you, 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 you can't, you can't get up. And it can also speak to the spirit of discouragement. So in other words, this is when you're so discouraged that nothing seems to make sense around you. So it can also refer to that spirit of discouragement, that spirit that weighs us down. A heavy spirit also makes reference to the spirit of despair. In other words, loss of hope or a sense of hopelessness. So when you're in despair, it means there's just uh, you're just covered by this sense of, of hopelessness. And that also refers to a heavy spirit. A heavy spirit can also mean a failing spirit. The same words, you know, it's almost like when the, the, the light is about to go off or your light bulb or, you know, is about to, to go off or a candle. And so uh, a heavy spirit also talks about uh, a failing spirit. You know, the, the, when the, you're the, it's almost like when the light is about to go off or when it's dimly burning. And a heavy spirit can also talk about when uh, refer also refers to when one feels, you know, that feeling when you get when you are uh, under some kind of uh, affliction or there's or under a sense of sin or under a load of guilt or this expectation of 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 wrath that can also uh, uh, talk about uh, or refer to. What we're talking about here is a heavy spirit. A heavy spirit can also be a sense or a spirit of fear or a spirit of doubts. It can also be um, a faint and almost extinguished spirit. So that is basically what we're talking about when we're talking about a heavy spirit. So it's interesting in here that the prophet Isaiah says that we've been given that garment, that the part of the Lord's mission is basically to give us that garment that we may be clothed, fully covered with that garment. So in other words, that it should be like a, a mantle on us, a covering on us to actually help us to repel a, a heavy spirit. And so the instruction here is to put on this garment of praise so as to actually counter these negative spirits, negative feelings that come with this uh, idea or sense of feeling heavy. So what we're actually saying here is that praise overcomes that feeling that weighs you down. Also, what praise does is that it resists discouragement Praise also nurses you when you are disheartened. Praise overpowers that sense of despair. Praise boosts a failing spirit. Praise heals the spirit that is under affliction. Praise also releases that load of guilt when you, um, when you repent. Praise also erases the spirit of fear or doubt. Praise ignites a faint and almost extinguished spirit, praise casts off oppressive works of, the, of darkness, praise brings gladness in your heart, praise breathes abundant life. So it is very crucial to understand that when we praise the Lord, this is what we're actually doing. This is, the, the, this is what is actually happening in the, in the spirit. And when we talk about praise, praise comes in different forms. So we're not talking about, yes, it may include the actual singing of praise songs. That's one dimension. It can also include uh, just making declarations or words of praise. It can also include uh, maybe just praying prayers of praise. So it also includes various dimensions. So the Bible makes it very clear that we've been given that garment of praise so that it takes care of that spirit of heaviness. So the question is, 
how do we effectively use the weapon of praise? How do we effectively use the weapon of praise? Number one, I'm going to go through a couple of ways of how we can use, uh, effectively use the weapon of praise. This is not an exhaustive list, but uh, I'm hoping that by the end of this message, it will give you an idea and encourage you to really get more and more into praise, encourage you to declare praises to God more and more, encourage you to pray prayers of praise, encourage you to play and sing songs of praise, however you choose. To, to do it. So um, how do we effectively use the weapon of, of praise? Number one, we need to use the weapon of praise when we fight fear or when we, in order to defeat the enemy. And I like this passage of scripture. In 2 Chronicles 20, um, let's start reading from uh, verse one. It reads, it, ha it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to the battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And what's interesting here is that there is a nation that the Bible speaks about, and this is the nation of Judah. But at this particular point in scripture, the nation is gripped with fear. They are facing war. Not only are they facing war, but they're facing war from a combination of the strongest armies in the region in those times. So this was an arm, a combination of the army of, the, of Moab, a combination of the arm, army of Ammon and others. They came together to fight Judah. And what's interesting is that in the natural, Jehoshaphat could see that there is no way they were going to overcome these armies and uh, even if they had, they, they had tried. So there was no way Jehoshaphat and Judah would prevail. They were likely to be defeated. In fact, Jehoshaphat even says it himself. In verse 12 of the same chapter, he says, Oh, so he goes before the Lord. He prays to God and he says to him, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes upon you. I just want to highlight three things that Jehoshaphat says to the Lord. So he comes before God and he really decides to be honest and absolutely candid with the Lord. So he says, Lord, these people are coming against your people. They're coming against us, the people of Judah, are you not going to judge them? And so he says, number one, we have no power against this great multitude. So in other words, Joseph was saying to God, you know, even if we tried, even if we wanted to fight them, but we know like we know, we know the state of our army. We know the state of our weaponry. We know that we have, we cannot, we have no power against this great multitude. And secondly, he says to God, you know what? We don't even know what to do. All we know is that these armies are moving toward our territory wanting to fight us. But we don't even know what to do. We don't even have a strategy, Lord. We don't even know where to start from. So he goes, we don't have, we have no power against them. Secondly, we don't even know what to do. But here's the remarkable thing. Jehoshaphat then says to the Lord, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes upon you are, are, are upon you. And he basically is saying to the Lord, you know what? We look up to you. Our trust is in you. You've got to come and help us. We know you can, you can do this. And it goes on to say in, in verse from in verse 15, so Jehoshaphat then, then said, and he said, listen, all you 
of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. And you, King, uh, uh, this is the prophet now speaking, that the God had sent to speak to Jehoshaphat. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, that says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So here we can actually see that there's an assurance. God steps in and basically assures Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah that, you know what, you must not be afraid. You need not be dismayed because of this great multitude. But what's going to happen, what you're going to see is that the battle is not going to be yours, but it will belong to me, your God. And what's interesting is, as you go on to read this passage of scripture, is that there was a methodology to this battle. There was a strategy for, for victory. In verse 21, it reads, And when he had consulted with the people, this is Jehoshaphat, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord. Interesting strategy, interesting methodology here. And he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. When I, I read this, this specific verse, I just, I just marveled because it says not only did he appoint those who would sing to the Lord, but he also gave them specific instruction that in their praising, that in their singing, they would actually praise the beauty of his holiness. So what do we know about the holiness of God? Holiness of God speaks about his purity. The holiness of God speaks about a God who is without spot, who is without blemish. The holiness, of, the holiness of God talks about an uncontaminated God. It talks about the sacred nature of God. It talks about God, the, the revered one, the one to whom we show our reverence. So he instructs this people and he says, you are the guys who are going to be singing. But as you are singing, make sure that you praise his holiness. Make sure that you praise his sacred nature. Make sure that you declare that he's the revered one. Make sure that you declare that he's, um, he's the, the pure one. So he, that they should praise, it goes on to say, the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise to the Lord for his mercy endures. It's interesting that maybe if they hadn't been given this particular instruction, these people who were singing could have sung anything else. You know, I'm sure they, they could have, you know, whipped up some words and just, uh, sung something or maybe not even sing at all as they went out in in battle but as they they went out in in battle the bible makes it clear to us that they began to sing they began to shout they began to declare that praise the lord for his mercy in jaws can you imagine a whole army i don't know how many hundreds or thousands they were you know but there were uh, people singing praising God, declaring how merciful he is, talking about the beauty of his, of his holiness. And the Bible goes on to say, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. It's interesting here that the Lord didn't set ambushes before they started singing. It specifically tells us that as they began to sing and as they began to praise, the Lord then set ambushes against the people of Ammon, against the people of Moab and Mount Seir, who came up against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sir to utterly destroy, to kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seh, they'd helped 
to destroy one another. So instead of fighting the nation of Judah, the army of Judah, they actually started, the Lord set ambushes against them and they started fighting each other. What a battle strategy. It's interesting that when God takes over. There's a way that he does things. There's a way that he executes on our behalf that not even our minds can begin to understand. So ambushes were only set as the people began to sing and praise. And as I was reading this, this I thought to myself, you know what, when your praise is, is, is faith-filled, it does something to the hand of God. So when we come before God with praises that are faith-filled, it surely does something to the hand of God. Because here as the people began to sing and to praise, that's when that's when he set ambushes against the enemy. So it, it, it propels him to act on our behalf. There's something about praising God from a place of surrender. These people were coming before these armies. These people had gone, Jehoshaphat had gone before the Lord and basically said, I don't even know what to do. We cannot even fight them, Lord. We don't have what it takes. But he basically said that we are our eyes are upon you. So there's something about praising God when you do that from a place of surrender. There's something about praising God from a place of complete trust in him when you know that this is all you have. This praise and trust in him is all you have. There is something that is about knowing that the weapon of praise is all you have in the face of the enemy. There is something that happens when we praise God, knowing that true and lasting victory in these particular circumstances or in whatever you may be going through can only come from God. There's also something about praising God when you know that um, your protection, your livelihood, your survival can only be attained in God. And this is basically what the army of Judah was doing. There's something about praising God from that place of expectancy, knowing that God is about to fight for you, knowing God that God is about to bring the victory for you, knowing that the God, God is about to defeat your very enemy that appears very strong for you, that appears like they are sorted, they, they, they look like they're going to defeat you, but there's something about praising God with that level from that place of expectancy, knowing that it is him and only him who will fight and fight effectively on our be behalf. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you praising God with everything within you in the face of your battles? I don't know what battles you, you may be going through. Maybe you are currently not uh, going through any battles. Or maybe you've, you've been through some battles. Whichever way. In future, you are likely to have some battles. So whichever way, my question to you this morning is, are you praising God with everything within you in the face of the battles? I want to encourage you to bring your battles before, the, before God and to praise him as you declare. I want to ask you, really encourage you to bring those things that you're struggling with, those battles, those areas and situations in your life where you feel like the enemy is just about to overcome you. I want to encourage them to bring them before the Lord, but to do so in an atmosphere and attitude of praise where you declare that, God, I praise you for you are God, my father. You are the one. Maybe it might be in an area of, of um, infirmity in your, in your body, but to come before him in praise and say, Lord, I declare and I praise you that you are God, my father, Jehovah Rafi, the one who, who brings my, my healing, the one who heals my body. And it is only you who can heal this infirmity in, an, in my body, but to do that out of that overflowing of praise 
ways to declare that, oh God, you are, I praise you. You are my God, my bow, perism, the God who breaks out, the God who breaks through for me. Possibly, maybe it's in a business deal that you just, you're about to broker, but to come before God in an atmosphere of praise and attitude of, of praise, the lifestyle of praise where you declare praises to him, praises to his name and declaring that because of who you are, because of what is encapsulated in your person, in your name, Lord. I know that you are the God who can bring me this breakthrough. I want to encourage you to praise the Lord and say, oh, you know what? You are my Jehovah Sabbath, my God of the angel armies. You're the one who can bring the victory that I need in, in this particular situation, whatever that may be. And I really believe that as you do that, for all you know, the moment you start doing that, the moment you come before him with praises, with declarations of praises, for all you know, God is beginning to set ambushes like he did for the army of, of Judah. He's beginning to set ambushes against your enemy. He's beginning to orchestrate your victory. He's beginning maybe even to engineer your healing. And so I want to encourage you to hold on to praise, to really begin and continue as a lifestyle to be a person who declares praises to God in every situation. Never, ever undermine the power of praise. It is a powerful weapon through which we can achieve, through which we can and will achieve victory. The nature of praise and, and how you do it, like I said earlier, is up to you. You might decide to sing or play a praise song. You might decide to make them as declarations. You might decide to do it as a, as, as a prayer. Oh, I praise you, God. I trust in your name. I praise your faithfulness. I thank you that you are merciful. I thank you that you are a loving God. I thank you that you are the God who's forgiving I thank you that you're the powerful God. However you do it, I want to encourage you, make it a lifestyle and see what God will do in your life and in your situations. So that's one way in which we can use to pray. We use praise in order to uh, defeat the enemy and in order to fight, to fight off fear. The second way we can actually use praise is in the midst of desolation or in the midst of destruction or despair. I want to read from Jeremiah 33 from verse 10. It's the prophet Jeremiah speaking and he says, Thus says the Lord, again, they shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate without man and without beast, in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever. And of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as the first, says the Lord. So it's interesting here that Jeremiah brings a word of encouragement and he basically says to God's people, all right, you look around yourself and you say, oh, well, we're in a place of desolation. Oh, we are in a place without man, without beast. Oh, look at the cities of Judah. Look at the streets of Jerusalem. They are desolate. They are without life. They are without man, without inhabitant, without beast. 
place. But Jeremiah then says, in that very same place, guess what? You will hear voices of joy. You will hear voices of gladness. You will hear the voice of the bridegroom. You will hear the voice of the bride. You will hear the voice of those who will say, ah, praise the Lord of hosts. The Lord is good for his mercy endures. And of those who bring the sacrifice of praise, praise is the sacrifice. Praise is the sacrifice because it comes or should come from deep within you. The, the, who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as the first. That says the Lord. And so when we read this, 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 this scripture, these verses, you can't help but to be encouraged. And what do we mean when we talk about desolation? Desolation speaks of barrenness. It can either be spiritual or natural barrenness. It speaks of something that is laid to waste. It speaks of being deprived or destitute of, of inhabitants. So Jeremiah reassures God's people that do not be disheartened in the midst of barrenness, whether it's physical or, 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 or spiritual. Do not be discouraged in the midst of waste or destitution for those very situations can and will be changed by the Lord. So he comforts the people of God and basically says to them that in that very place of desolation, you will experience fruitfulness. There will be gladness. There will be the voice of joy. There will be the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride will be heard praising the Lord of hosts. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've, you've, been, you've gone through or maybe what you'll even go through. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you experiencing desolation of any kind in your life? Are you experiencing barrenness of any kind? Are you ex uh, going through uh, uh, or what, what in your life has been laid to waste? Where in your life do you look at and say, you know what, there isn't fruitfulness what desolation is taking place in your life? I want to encourage you this morning, based from what Jeremiah says to the people of God, you basically, I want to encourage you to raise a voice of praise to the Lord. I want to encourage you to not hold back, but bring a sacrifice of praise to him and do so consistently, irrespective of what's happening around you. I want to encourage you to let praise be the anchor of this season, this season that may be seemingly desolate or laid to, to waste. I want to encourage you to allow praise Praise to be your anchor in this season of, of desolation. I want to encourage you to declare that you know what? I will still praise the Lord for I know that my day of fruitfulness is coming. I will declare the praises of God for I know that I will inhabit my land. I know that I will capture and experience the fullness of the promises that God has given me, I want to encourage you to sing your praises to God and say, I will do so for I know that I will see everything that God has said will come to pass in my life. Do so come to fruition. And as you call those things that are not as though they were, you know what praise does? Praise kept activates your faith. It actually gives life to your faith. It actually stimulates your faith. So praise activates your faith. Praise creates hope. It gives you a reason to want to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, maybe tomorrow things might not have changed, but what praise, I'll still praise even in the midst of that because praise creates hope. What praise does is that it shifts 
it shifts you it, it it shifts you to that place of expectancy expectation and it becomes your prophetic weapon and this is basically what Jeremiah was saying to the people of 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 of, of God of Judah and basically saying to them you may not see these things but you know what use praise as your prophetic weapon I want to encourage us to be a people a generation we use praise as individuals as families as churches as cities is our prophetic weapon to declare those things that we don't even currently see for God is faithful to see those things to fruition the third manner in which we can use praise is as a weapon for victory is use praise in seasons of tears and brokenness or in other words in seasons of mourning in psalm 126 verse 5 it reads those who sow in tears shall reap joy he who continually goes forth weeping bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing sheaves with him in the NIV version, it says those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy. Songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I love this. In, in the NLT versions, it says those who plant, who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant with their seed, but they sing as they return with, with the harvest. They weep as they go to plant with the, their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And here in this very scripture, we discover that what we plant in the spiritual realm Whatever we plant in the spiritual realm, if accompanied by a spirit of brokenness, will not only bring a spiritual harvest of results, but will leave the sower with a spirit of rejoicing in the process. So even when we go through times when there are tears or when we go through times when we, we, we're mourning, but when we then come before, the, before God in an attitude of praise, in an attitude of honoring his name, the scripture here, the Bible makes it clear to us that we will return with rejoicing in the process. My question to you, this morning is, are you going through a season where you are carrying burdens that are weighing on you? Are you going through a season where you are experiencing heaviness and all you seem to be doing in prayer is just pouring out tears to the Lord? Have you ever been faced with those situations where even when you try to pray and come before the Lord, you just start uh, crying? Are you going through that season where all you seem to be doing is just pouring out tears to God, the ministry of tears, as it were? I like what Charles Spurgeon, the 19th Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century uh, preacher, he basically defined this this state of being as as liquid prayer liquid prayer where you come before the Lord and it's, it's, it's agony and you're crying and you, 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 you're broken. He calls it liquid prayer. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you today that use this. If you're experiencing this, that use this as an, oppo uh, as an opportunity to shout with joy to the Lord. This is a time to use declarations of praise so that that uh, heaviness is, is lifted off. This is a season to declare that I will praise you, Lord. I know that as I continue to praise you, that you will you will see me through. In Psalm 30 verse 5, in the New King James Version, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In the message, it actually says, the message version, it actually says, The nights of crying out, your eyes 
the nights of crying out your eyes out give way to days of laughter. I want to encourage you when you're going through a season of, of tears, this liquid prayer, as Charles Spurgeon once once said, this ministry of tears, as it were, I want to encourage you to declare your song of praise to God and to say to the Lord, I will praise you through that the, I will still praise you through every tear, that I will praise you through my crying, Lord, that I'll praise you even as I'm groaning in agony, in pain of heart, that I will praise you, that I will praise you with every travail in me. I want to encourage you to allow the declaration of, of praise to, to soothe your pain, to let those words of praise coming out of your lips to, to turn that inward mourning into, into dancing. For the Bible clearly speaks to us and tells us that even though the weeping does take place, it may endure for a night, but joy will definitely come in, in due course. In Psalm 30, verse 11, it says, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. In the NLT, it says, You have turned my mourning into dancing, into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. So God does clothe us with joy, but we should be intentional about praising him, about lifting up his name, even in times, such difficult times of pain, such difficult times of brokenness and tears. We should be intentional when it comes to still be praising him, to still be declaring praises to him, to still be declaring how good he is, how worthy his name is, how faithful his name is, and how reliable God uh, he is. The fourth reason a way in which we can use praise is when confronted with the oppressive works of, of darkness. So we can also use praise when we are confronted with the oppressive ways, works of darkness. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, from verse 14, it talks about David. It talks, it talks about the relationship between David and Saul. And it starts off by saying, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from the Lord is troubling you. Let your master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a, a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from the Lord is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to the servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son. And we know the story continues. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesus, to Jesus, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, when the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. This is a very interesting story. 
very peculiar story in the Bible where a distressing spirit would come upon Saul. And I would like to think, even before his servant suggested to him that why don't you find somebody who can play skillfully on the harp to come and play so when the this spirit is, uh, comes over you and then it will, it, will, it will depart. I'm sure even before then, Saul had tried other ways to actually try and repel this distressing spirit. And we are told here in the Bible that when David would play uh, his harp on his harp and would do so skillfully and the distressing spirit would literally lift off Saul. And so what is interesting here is we can actually see that worship repels evil spirits, that this is why even, I'm sure you've experienced it, maybe in, in, in your church, in your congregation, or even in your cell group, or even individually when you, you're spending time with God. This is why wherever and whenever the presence or glory of God descends in a place, evil spirits manifest. Evil spirits manifest. They cannot reside in the, in the presence of God. So the worship of God or the praise of God, praise unto God invites his glory. Not only does it invite his glory, but in, it invites his weight. It inv invites his majesty. It invites his presence. It invites his being. And when, when that happens, it establishes his authority in situations. So we need to be a people when we are overcome or fight that fighting spirits of darkness, knowing and being reminded of this very passage of scripture where David would play whenever a distressing spirit came upon Saul and it would, it would lift. And I'm, I'm, I'm very sure and one encourages that we should continue in an attitude of praise and an attitude of worship to God whenever we face such spirits or such obstacles or such challenges in our walk and encourage that and, and, and allow us that praise to, uh, to the, for, for the glory of God to descend, for the majesty of God to, to descend, for the presence of God to descend, for it surely does repel evil spirits. The fifth um, reason why, or way in which we can use praise is when we're feeling discouraged. In Psalm 43 verse 5 it says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in the Lord. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. In the New King James Version, it says, Why are you downcast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And I want to encourage us in those moments of discouragement. There's, there's so many things that take place in life, whether it's in our individual relationships, relationships with family, with colleagues, with friends, different situations in life can just cause that discouragement. But I want to uh, encourage us to, to, when that happens, to speak to our soul. And remember, our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, our imagination, when we feel that discouragement to declare and say, oh, why are you discouraged, my mind? Why are you discouraged, my will? Why are you discouraged, my emotions? Well, what we're going to do now is that even if you're discouraged, we are now going to start on placing our hope in God. We are now going to praise God. We are now going to look up to God, to literally speak to your inner person, to to literally speak to your inner, to your soul and command it to praise God and command it to rise up from that place of discouragement and praise and worship and declare the goodness and faithfulness of, of God. Number six, we can also use praise to actually declare we can also praise God for his track record of faithfulness, for his track 
record of faithfulness. And what this means is basically where we we are declaring to God using praises, just declaring his faithfulness. In Psalm 22 verse 3, it says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. In Psalm 89 verse 1 to 2, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations. Imagine having experience the faithfulness of God to such an extent that you don't even want to keep this to yourself, but you want to declare it to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the, in the very heavens. In Psalm 150 verse 6, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be praising, declaring our praises to, to God. So I want to encourage us as, we, as I land this, this message, I want to encourage us to develop a culture, to develop a lifestyle of magnifying the name of God in, in praise, of lifting up the name of, of God um, in, in, in praise. For remember, praise does overcome whatever may be weighing us down. Praise helps us to actually resist discouragement. Praise actually nurses us when we are disheartened. Praise actually overpowers that sense of despair or loss of hope, hopelessness. Praise boosts our failing spirit. Praise heals the spirit that is under affliction. Praise also releases that load of guilt, um, it, it, especially when we repent. It erases that spirit of fear. It erases that spirit of doubt. It ignites that faint and almost extinguishing spirit that is just about to give up. But when we praise, when we declare praises, when we sing praises, when we pray prayers of praise, um, it's, uh, that fainting spirit is ignited. Praise casts off any oppressive works of darkness or oppressive works of, of the enemy. Praise brings gladness. It brings gladness of heart and it breeds abundant life. Let's continue and let's make sure that we, we grow and we become this generation of people that actually lives this lifestyle of praise unto our God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord, that you've given us this weapon of praise for victory, Lord. Father, you've given us this weapon of praise that we can use to overcome in our situations, Lord. Father, that you've given us to this weapon of praise to overcome, Lord, any heavy spirit, any heaviness in us, Lord. Father, I pray that you will teach us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, how we can consistently use it, Father, to the glory of your name, Lord. Father, how every aspect of our lives can really be encapsulated with praises unto God. We ask that you would help us, Father. You would walk with us as we, we learn this and develop this in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for listening.